Good morning, church. Somebody's saying, I guess that means speak up or shut up. I'm not sure, you know. I'm going to go for the positive on that. It's good to see everyone this morning. Thank you for being here. I've already met people uh, uh, from, uh, I think I met some from Indiana, maybe Idaho, uh, one of those states that has starts with an I, you know. Uh, and we're so glad to have visitors from all over. Uh, I know there's some folks here traveling through. My wife's a greeter, and she was telling me about somebody she had met that's traveling through and uh, stopped in to be with us. They're headed, I think, to Florida to some particular thing. And so uh, we're a good stopping through place, don't you think? It's a good place to stop through. It's a good place to come and live. It's a good place to serve the Lord. And so we really are grateful uh, that you are here today. What a great blessed uh, day. I looked out and I saw this strange thing called sunshine. Uh, we hadn't seen it in a while around here. We had a lot of rain. Uh, but uh, we're grateful for water the Lord sends our way. And uh, we're going to uh, have a scripture reader come up, uh, Mary Barnett. Come on up here. She's going to read scripture for us. She's 10 years old, competes in dance, and plays the guitar. Good, because Ryan Lee needs some help. And so uh, if you'll read a verse for us or share them with us. Scripture reading, what you got? There you go. I thought maybe just going to preach. You could, you know, but that's all right. Go right ahead. You're good. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. First Peter 2.17. Thank you. Excellent job. Thank you. Don't you love seeing our young people up reading the, reading the Word of God? Always uh, just thrills my heart. You can go ahead and turn. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 2. Uh, Verse 11 through 25 today, but before we get into that one, we are uh, missing some folks. And so uh, the, we had a big crew that went on the marriage retreat and uh, I know that they've, uh, I'm sure that they've had a great time and they've been uh, trying to talk me into doing the marriage retreat. I love my wife and I love my marriage and I don't want to go to anything that might mess it up. Uh, but, but, uh, look, I, I got a great deal. I can't help it if Susan made a bad deal. I mean, you know, but, but, uh, but I, but I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm going to make that one of my goals. And so, uh, uh, because I always hear about all the great things that happen and I really appreciate them. A lot of them will be traveling back today. So we remember them, uh, safety wise and traveling. And so, uh, glad to, glad to, that, glad that that ministry goes on to improve our families. Also coming up here uh, pretty quick is the, uh, uh, on a Sunday night, uh, the acapella uh, a reunion concert will be in here. And I think about half this room has already been sold out. So get your tickets. You can get them online and on the website at the church or call the office or look at the app if you're an app person. And uh, all that is there and available. Be sure and do that. Uh, they are a great blessing. You will have a... Uh, your heart will be lifted with just pure voices singing and sharing in the Lord that night, I promise you. It'll be a great time for us. Um, 
these uh, on the news, if you've watched it all, you know that there's been uh, major earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. And we are involved, uh, One Kingdom is involved in that relief effort. Uh, we have been talking to people. I, uh, matter of fact, I talked to uh, uh, one of our sweet ladies over there, sisters over there yesterday morning. And uh, she was telling me uh, she's far away from the earthquake deal. But what they're doing, all these people in certain cities are being signed other cities to go to because there's no places to stay. And so her city is being flooded with thousands of people being moved in there. And so their church is trying to minister and take care of people. And, and it's wintertime. It's uh, clothes. It's food. It's a host of number of things, as well as just they're also tied into a, a relief group that we're working with uh, over there with some brothers and sisters and trying to get things right into ground zero where that thing took place. You know, there are so many needs. Uh, when you hear 20,000 dead, it's just hard to get in your mind. You know, that's like, you know, five times the town population I grew up in. I, it's just... When you hear that kind of number, and look, only a small percentage of those areas have been gotten to and dug into. Now, it was interesting. She was telling the story of some people who had been rescued after being in the rubble for five and six days. And so when they came out, they were offering him food and water. And, 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 and one of the men said, I, I'm not hungry. And they said, why? And they said, because... In the rubble, while we were down there, a, a man came and fed me. Said, a man came and fed you? Yeah, a man came and fed me. And he had a message like, you know, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And so this starts sounding pretty strange, right? But more and more stories are coming out of the rubble of rescued people who are saying they had help in the middle of all this tragedy. You know, we give God glory and honor however he chooses to help anybody at any time. And one of the one of our prayers is always through tragedy that people will lift their heads up to God. I lift our eyes to the hills and where does my help come from? The psalmist said, my help comes from the Lord. And so we in the middle of, of this just being devastated in one sense, or your heart is broken over the devastation at the same time opportunities for God's people to meet needs and for God to be glorified in the middle of tragedy. That's some of the things that are going on. We're getting constant daily updates, even more than daily, even hourly updates of numbers change. If I told you a number now of how many were rescued or died, it'll be old before this sermon is over. And that doesn't mean I'm going to preach long. I'm just saying uh, those things change rapidly, right? So we're going to do a couple of things today. We're going to take up a special contribution uh, to help in the earthquake relief efforts. And uh, before we do that, we're going to uh, uh, watch a video. Uh, and I'll share a prayer right after that video. And then we'll take up that contribution. Could we show that video, please? Good morning hours on Monday, February 6th. One of the deadliest earthquakes of the century hit Turkey and Syria. The 7.8 magnitude quake has devastated the region and currently has a death toll in the thousands. Rescue and relief efforts are complicated by freezing conditions 
and survivors of the natural disaster are struggling to find adequate shelter and supplies. One Kingdom has partners on the ground in Turkey, and they are providing us with details on how to help. As the death toll rises, so does the number of rescued survivors who will need support, both physically and spiritually. One Kingdom will respond to the needs of the survivors in the hopes of shining the light of Jesus to the people of Turkey. You can join us in this effort by giving to our Turkey Earthquake Relief Fund on our website, onekingdom.org. You can text One Kingdom to 77977 or scan the QR code here to go directly to the PushPay site. Your financial support is so important to allow our partners to provide relief, but more than anything, we ask for your prayers. Pray for the people of Turkey and Syria, for those who are grieving, for those who have survived and need relief, for our partners who are on the front lines, and for wisdom to know how to make a kingdom impact through this disaster. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you've said that we could bring everything to you in prayer with thanksgiving, and we are thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus, and we're thankful for the blessings you give us spiritually and physically. And Father, as we look around us and see the devastation of this earthquake, we ask for your help and your compassion and your work to go on in Turkey. Bless those that are ministering. Those that are physically digging through the rubble. For those that have great loss, we pray for comfort. For those, Father, who are still searching for families and, and trying to figure out where everyone is, we pray for rescue. We pray, Father, for your people to step through this door of opportunity to serve the people that are stricken by this great tragedy. We pray for our brothers and sisters that are serving and meeting needs. Father, it breaks our heart, but we know that no one's heart is moved more than yours over the hurting and the brokenness of men and women around the world. And so we, in this prayer, we want to join your heart for people. Heart full of compassion. That somehow or another we can be a blessing and a help and encouragement through this difficult time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray with the help of your spirit. And amen. Thank you ahead of time for the great generosity I know that you will have in giving to this. And uh, this is just the beginning. You know, when the news goes away, TV quits talking about it. There'll still be many, many uh, uh, works to do in that part of the world. And we want to carry folks through and the brothers and sisters through over the long haul. And so we'll be... Uh, talking about strategies to do that and asking God's wisdom about how to continue to help way down the road. So you'll hear more and more about this work and about the efforts that are over there. Thank you for your prayers for, for our brothers and sisters over there. We've been blessed to be tied in with some good people on the ground, boots on the ground, working 
And uh, they're under a lot of stress right now as they see a lot of things that are traumatizing in a lot of ways. And so just continue to remember people, uh, those folks in our prayers. Well, uh, last week we found out uh, through Al about chosen people, about royal priesthood, holy nation, uh, belonging to God, a people full of mercy. And uh, all that together, he turns around in First Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, and he says that they're aliens and they're strangers. You're aliens and you're strangers. And some of you are looking around and you're saying, yeah, I, I see that guy's pretty strange looking, you know. Well, I'm not talking about strange looking, but we're strangers and that we are uh, sojourning through this country. The old song is still true. This world is not our home. And when we try to make it our home, we always run into problems, you know. And so uh, let's just do a little reading. Verse 11, First Peter chapter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, strangers in the world, that means we don't belong here anymore. This word for uh, the, uh, alien here, it comes from a word, uh, parada uh, oikos, I think is how you say it in the Greek. It's, the oikos is the word for house, and para is to walk beside. So you're walking along beside the house, but you're not inside the house. You don't belong to it. You journey along with people, but that's not where your house is. That's not where your home is. You live, you're designed to live somewhere else. But you're walking this journey because of God and what he's done for you. And now it makes you different than the people you're around. So our mission as strangers in the world is that we're like Hebrews 11, like Abraham. We're longing for a better country. Hebrews chapter 11. Let me just flip over there and read that little section for you. It'll sound kind of familiar here. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 9 through 16. The Hebrew writer records some things about strangers, and he says this. Chapter 11, verse 9. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him. Of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Later on in verse 13, he says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. There are better things beyond this old world. And I'm so glad because I look around this world and there doesn't offer a lot of good, positive things in my life a lot of times. I get tired of fighting Satan and sin and get tired of seeing people hurt and I get tired of a lot of things that we all get tired of. One day that'll all be over. But until that comes, we live a different kind of life. 
He says this about strangers in the world. They are to abstain from simple desires which war against your soul. Abstain. This word means to create distance. Abstain. You create distance. Reminds me a little bit about the little girl who fell out of bed and her mom was asking if falling out of bed. And she said, well, uh, uh, mom, uh, I stayed too close to where I got in. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes some of us have a struggle with the world because we stay too close to where we got in. Instead, he said, abstain, you create distance. Because to keep something close to you that, that keeps picking at your desires, you can't stand to be there very long. If you've got a problem, if you've had a problem drinking and you've been drinking at a certain bar all these years and on your way to church, you drive by that, or on, on Saturdays you drive by to where you know, go an extra block, drive around, get out of, create distance. If you've been running with people in the world, you want to reach them for the Lord. But when you first become a Christian and there's weakness and there's struggles there, you better create some distance between that activity and you. I have to create distance between those things. Abstain from. The simple desires. Why? He says because they create a war inside you. There's this battle that starts taking place. And they love, Satan loves to create a battle in your mind. He loves to create a battle in your heart, in your thinking. He loves to deceive you and make you feel guilty about stuff you hadn't even done yet. I mean, Satan does a number on us. And simple desires, if we don't get away from and create some distance, they will always be there creating war inside our souls. So he says, the first thing you do as strangers, you abstain, you create some distance. The second thing he says is you live such good lives is that when people talk bad about you, accuse you of something, and they see the good that you do, they have nowhere to go. And they acknowledge, you know, they're from God, they're different. Look at what he says in the next verse. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. They glorify God. God gets the glory. So we we create distance from the wrong and we practice the right. We give God the glory and we don't worry about what people accuse us of. That's the mission. Living right when accused of wrong creates a testimony about God. And he gets the glory. Now, verse 13 through 20, he gives us a mandate as strangers in the world. How am I, uh, how am I going to do this thing of living in this world that's so different? The first thing he's going to say is to submit ourselves. And this is always hard for us, Right? Here's what he says. Look, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether the king, the supreme authority, or the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. 
live as servants of God. He says here, submit to government authorities. Now, this is a hard thing to do. Because there are, uh, there are a lot of, of societies that exist where it's difficult to submit to authorities. Think about Peter's day. Think about when he wrote this to these churches that are scattered everywhere. They're living under Nero. They're living under this pressure from ungodly people. And, what, and God, what do you want us to do? Submit to that authority. Really? Yeah, submit to it. Well, are there limits? Are there exceptions to this? Yeah, there are, there are some exceptions. Uh, you find those in like the book of Daniel. When it comes down where they say, you will not follow God, you have to say, no, I'm going to do what God says. We find that with the uh, exemption uh, with Peter when he said, when he was thrown in jail and they said, you quit speaking. They said, are we going to obey God or man? No, we're going to keep preaching the gospel. But unless it does that, we are to submit to government authorities. But Mike, I don't agree with them. It doesn't say if you don't agree with them or do. Is this a little hard to swallow for you? <clears throat> My throat's a little dry right now. I kind of like to, you know. It's hard. Submit. Submit to governing authorities in my life that I don't agree with. I don't think they're right. Yeah, submit. Why? Why do this? Because in your submission and mine, we are submitting to God. And in submitting to God, we honor those God, have put, God has put in places. I pray for our president all the time. Do I agree with his decisions in politics for the most part? Probably not. I know some of you right now thought, boy, you're fixing to get in trouble. Politics. It doesn't bother me to talk about them. You know why? They're not in those places unless God allowed them to be in those places. There's no authority that's sitting in any country across this world that God didn't either put there for a purpose or allowed to be there, sometimes even for the judgment of people. Now, I'm going to do my part as a good citizen, and I, I'm, going, I'm going to stand up for what I believe and try to help make things happen. Uh, but, but look, I don't live, this is not my home, and I'm going to submit to government authorities as long as I can without violating my submission to God. That's how you live in a way that silences those who speak up against you. That's what he says. It's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. That word silence is the word for muzzle. You close their mouths by the, how you live life in front of them. Then he says this in verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Boy, this one right here is a challenge, isn't it? Look, show respect to everybody. We treat everybody with respect. And then as we treat them with respect, here's our response to people. We love the brotherhood. 
That's a group. That's a church. That's us. We love the brotherhood. Why is that important? Because if you violate your love for the kingdom of God, the, the, uh, the world will see it and say they're not really Christians. By this shall all men know that you love one another. What? I mean, this, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. What? You love one another. So when people see us not getting along, not loving one another, then the world says they're really not followers of Jesus and they wouldn't be acting like that. You love the brotherhood. You fear God, great reverence for God. And then he says you honor the king. That's the actions that we take to everybody. Then he says not only do you submit to government authority and you respond a certain way to everybody. Now he's saying you submit to even personal authority. Look what he says. Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Then not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So whatever personal authority is in your life... And the Roman Empire at this time basically was run by slavery. Not slavery like existed in our country, a whole nother kind. And they were doctors and lawyers and they were accountants and they, and they would work off their debt they had to be a slave. And a, a whole nother concept. You can dig all that up if you want to in history. But the bottom line is that when, and when we have people who are over us, it's on your job, it's your boss, You treat them a certain way. You submit and you do what is right. Even if you suffer wrong. And the reason for this is because when you live right and have been treated wrong, that becomes a testimony of what God has done in your life. Say, Mike, you don't know my boss. Or maybe some of you are saying, you don't know my dad. You don't know my whatever person has some authority over you. All I know is what he says here. And I'm not into making excuses for God. I think he knows best how we ought to function. When you suffer injustice... When injustice takes place in your life, your response and my response must be that we submit and we serve God. And that's hard to do. When you've been cheated by those that are over you. Now, we live in a great country where we have some options. You don't like your job? Hey. You can go get you another job. Now look, go get go get the job before you quit your other one. Otherwise, I'm paying your electric bill and your water bill. And, you know, be smart about that. You don't have to stay working under the same authority all the time. You can improve your situation a lot of times. 
But sometimes we don't have that option. Slaves didn't have that option. And yet, what's he tell them to do? Suffer an injustice. And when you do, God's going to end up being glorified. Is it hard? Is it challenging? You bet it is. But we're strangers. We're aliens. We don't act like the world. The world, they want to get revenge. The world wants to get people back. We're not like that. We cannot be like that. Our mission to abstain, create distance from sinful behavior. Do good that becomes a testimony to the other. That's our mission. In doing this, there's a mandate. Submit to government authorities. Respect and love everybody. Fear God and honor the king. And submit to even the personal authorities that are over your life. Even, especially even when you have been done wrong. Why? Well, that's verse 21 through 25. Because of our model. Our model. Look what he says. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Our model for living as strangers in this world is the example of Jesus Christ. You know what happened when he was treated unfairly? You know what happened in his suffering? He trusted the judge, his father, who's going to take care of justice. He didn't have to worry about it. And what he says he had, he had no retaliation when treated bad. He had no threats that he responded to. He didn't threat people. He bore my sin. He bore your sin. So that we could have a life of righteousness and die to those old sinful desires. That he could be our shepherd and our overseer. Test, test, test. His example, his model of suffering injustice becomes our example to follow. Easy or hard? It's a little hard. It's a little hard. What's that uh, game we played as kids? Uh, Simon says, and you got to do whatever the person says or do what they do. Isn't that the one? That, that, wasn't that the game? You basically had to watch somebody and repeat whatever. Christianity is this simple. As believers, we watch Jesus and we repeat what we see. And when we get off course, we kind of shake our head like a, uh, watch those etch-a-sketches etch- things, you know, just kind of get it out of the way. 
and we redraw a path that follows Jesus. Instead of drawing our own path, we refollow. We look back and we see, okay, how did Jesus act here? And that's how we act. What was Jesus' example as he lived in this world? Then that's our example. How did Jesus treat people when he was treated with uh, injustice and he suffered even though he had never sinned? What was his example? Then that becomes our example. Jesus said it earlier, the book of Luke 9, verse, chapter 9, verse 23. If you're going to follow me, he says, you must deny yourself. Take up the cross daily and follow me. And that's my biggest problem. I don't know about you. That's my biggest problem is denying myself. Because I, I talk to myself a lot. And the problem is I get to listening and believe in some of the things I'm telling myself. You ever do that? It's kind of like, uh, have you ever had something come up with you? You know, uh, uh, like I, I had a little knot come up right here on my throat. And so I was actually at the doctor for a different thing. And so I asked her about it. And, and so, you know, because what happened, I, I, you know, you get on the Internet, right? Because that's the first thing com- common sense wise people do is they Google it. And I Google it, and all of a sudden I start seeing the possibilities. And so before I can drive from my house to the doctor, I've got cancer and 30 days to live, you know? <laughs> Anybody like that? Your mind, you feed it, you listen to yourself, and the next thing you know, you're believing it, and all hope is lost. Denying myself is not something I'm used to doing. Because the world never told me I had to do that. Matter of fact, it's just, matter of fact, the world says I have a right to please myself. And if somebody hampers that or somebody tries to keep you from doing that, uh, uh, the world will just tell you, hey, look, get rid of them because you, you have a right to be happy. You deserve it. You ever heard that? Have you ever thought that? You know, why has this happened to me? I deserve better. I mean, I've been trying to live right. I've been doing I deserve better than this. Really? Whenever I can get rid of that phrase, I deserve, I'm much closer to following Jesus than I was before. Deny yourself. Take up a cross daily and follow him. There's no claiming my rights. There's no what I deserve or don't deserve. There's no hanging on to mistreatment that happened years ago in my life. It was my dad's fault, my mom's fault, my whoever, my school teacher's fault, my coach's fault. It's the policeman's why I got the ticket, the teacher's why I got the bad grade, right? We've all had those excuses. No. It's mine. I don't deserve anything except to be lost. I deserve to be condemned because I looked at God and I looked at what he wanted me to do. And I looked at the world and I chose the world and I did what I wanted to do. You know what? You know what I deserve because of that? Hell. People don't talk about it much anymore. But I'm telling you, hell's a real thing. It's a real place. And they're going to be real people go to hell. And I want to scare the hell out of you. Get you on this side, right? Yeah. 
Someone said, did he really just say hell from the pulpit? It ought to be said from a lot more pulpits. Because the reality of it, the existence of it, should make us think and be there a burden and a warning that I don't want to live that way. God's people, we're not, I'm not scared of that anymore because of Jesus. But that's where I deserve to be. He took the hell I deserve on the cross. Praise God. Praise God for the grace of God. I've got to let go of all this reasons in life that I'm in my situation. God can change your situation in an instant. He can change your heart. He can change your mind. And He can use you and your submission to be a great testimony that glorifies Him and impacts the world around you. God is begging for the souls of men through you. You are His ambassadors. You're a holy people, a royal priesthood. Chosen by God, belonging to God, full of mercy. Aliens and strangers who live a whole lot different than the world. Why wouldn't you want in on this one called Jesus? We're going to sing an invitation song. We're going to offer this. If you've never claimed him as Lord of your life... I beg you to trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Say, I'm done with that old life. Repentance, that's what we call that. I'm going to walk a different way. Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life. Be baptized into Christ. And you start breaking of the water and the Spirit. And your life is going to change. And God is going to use you for the purpose of influencing the lives of others. Who wouldn't want the grace of God? Who wouldn't want the great greatness of being able to start all over brand new again every evil wicked thing is forgiven no shame no guilt and for those of you who have named the name of jesus quit carrying shame and guilt that's the old self talking to you that's satan deceiving you that's creating wars inside your mind get rid of it let it go we don't need any, we don't need any people dragging behind them, uh, uh, their doubts, uh, uh, dragging behind their shame. Look, when Jesus called the disciples and he called Peter and those guys, he, he called them to be disciples. They dropped their nets. And some of you have never dropped your net. It's getting hung up on every shameful, guilty thing you've ever, ever done. You're just dragging along behind you. Get rid of it. Drop it. Start living as free men, servants of God, enjoying the grace of God with the people of God. Amen. Yeah, y'all have already got me excited now. Never quite understood how thousands of people could be in a stadium hollering and yelling at a ball game. And I, I'll watch it. I'll probably, I may holler and yell a little bit at my TV. But you know what? I, I've never quite understood... Why I couldn't have more passion for God than I do for the entertainment of my life. Surrender. Surrender. Surrender.
and let him become the passion of your life. Father in heaven, thank you for our day together. Please bless this church to grow and multiply. Bless us, Father, to serve you with wisdom and discernment. Bless us to live even when we suffer injustice. Bless us to follow the model of Jesus in all we do. It's in his name we pray. And the church said, if you have a need, please come while we stand.